Good morning. It's great to see you today. Um, hard to be back. I was on vacation for a few days at the lake. It's hard to leave, I'm going to be honest with you. But it's good to be back. This summer we've been focusing on what it means to be uh, an intellectual follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, being spiritually intellectual, that is. Um, and for a couple weeks now, we're talking about relationships and how to do relationships right. So this last Sunday, Vicki and I were on the deck of the cabin overlooking the lake, watching the service on our computer. I felt very spiritual and suffering for Jesus. Uh, but at any rate, uh, it was a great message that Pastor Aaron presented, and I'm going to pick up from where he left off last week. And I loved uh, one of the statements that he made. He said, we are a redeemed community called to righteous uh, living with a renewed sense of purpose. So we are a redeemed community. And so what I want us to, to look at this morning is as a redeemed community, as a bought back from our sin, blood purchased group of people, uh, we're to do life very differently. And part of the way we're to do life very differently is how we address conflict. How we address decision making with other people. We're to do that entirely differently because we're a redeemed uh, community. We need to uh, do more than get along with others, especially those of the household of God. We need to do more than just get along with others. We're meant to thrive together. We're meant to do well together. And so what I'm going to focus on this morning is how do we have constructive conflict? Now, when I use the word conflict, it's not always negative. Life is full of conflict. If you're in a relationship with another human being, you're going to have decisions that you have to make together, and you may not be in total degree, agreement, and how do you come to a good decision, and, and, and you're going to be at, at some level of conflict no matter how good this relationship is. Amen? You follow what I'm saying? And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Any meaningful relationship will have some kind of conflict associated with it. There are going to be many occasions where you and another person who are in a relationship will see things differently. That's not a problem. Now, if you're fighting, okay, that's a problem. But, but what we want to talk about this morning is as a redeemed person, how then do I interact with other human beings in such a way that I bring life to them and I bring the light of God to the situation that we're talking uh, about? Um, and so what I'm going to share with you today is applicable to your marriage. It's applicable to how you interact with your coworkers. It's applicable how you raise your children, how your children interact with the parents. It's applicable to coworkers, to those you like, those you don't like, those who are your enemies, those who are your friends. Amen. So what I'm going to share with you today is pretty applicable. And so I want you to really tune in and let your heart be touched by some of the things that we, we talk on because what I'm doing today is taking what Aaron talked about last week and going to a specific area of life. How do we deal with conflict. And how do we do it as redeemed people, you know, as part of the family of God? So here's a reflection question. I want to begin you uh, to get you thinking along with me on what we're going to talk on this morning. Can you disagree with another person without being angry or upset? Now, you can fill in the blanks, angry and upset. That's part of what you're supposed to do here. But here's what I really want is, can you do that? Can you have a disagreement, even on a non-essential item, 
non-essential kind of, uh, you know, issue. Can you do that without getting upset and angry? Because I'm going to tell you, if you're getting upset and angry, that's wrong. And that's what we want to address this morning. We're to deal with one another uh, in such a way that we bring life and we bring the light of God into that disagreement in such a way that it's edifying and mutually encouraging. So what I'm going to do is use some of the scripture that Aaron used last week, but I'm going to look at it a little bit differently. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4, and I want to read to you the first three verses this morning. Listen to this. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So we who love the Lord Jesus Christ, if we're going to live a life worthy of the calling, we're going to do so by being humble and patient and loving towards one another. So when we're handling disagreements, one of the operative words that I think we need to understand is we're to do so in love. Now, I know a lot of you have heard this and maybe wonder how do we do it, and that's what I'm going to talk about this morning. Um, But I want to go to another section of Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 15. I'm really just going to read to you uh, verse 15 uh, today, because this is going to give us a big thought. This, like if you take nothing else away from today's message, Please listen to what I'm about to share with you, because I think very few Christians get this. And this is where we have so many problems when it comes to conflict within the church and conflict without, without or outside the church, okay? So, so in this scripture uh, uh, of Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 15, uh, the Apostle Paul says, hey, God has given some to be apostles, prophets, and teachers, and, 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 and preachers, and all those kinds of things, so that they, they can build up the body of Christ, equip the body of Christ, so that we know who Jesus is, and we can become knowledgeable in him, and we won't be tossed to and fro by the latest kind of teachings, you know, we can be established. And then he gets to this great big thought in verse 15. Instead, listen to this, speaking the truth in what? Love. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. So the whole ministry of the apostles and the prophets and, and, and the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers is to bring us to this final thought that's shared here in verse 15, that we would speak the truth to one another in love. In any meaningful relationship, whether it be marriage or how you, you raise your children, how you interact with a good friend, how you interact with a coworker, if you're going to do so as a redeemed follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will have love and truth connected at the hip. It's not one or the other, it will be both. And you'll do it in a balanced way that brings life and light from the Lord to that decision-making process, to that conflict. Amen? They're connected at the hip. I want you to understand. Tooth and love. They're connected at the hip. Tooth and love. They're connected at the hip. They're connected, they're connected, they're connected. You got it? Tooth and love. Not one or the other, but both. And therein lies the problem with so many divisions within the church and within family life. We have divorced tooth from love, and that is problematic. Because if you love without truth, it gets sloppy and emotional and meaningless very quickly. And if you have truth without love, it gets harsh and judgmental and dismissive very quickly. Amen? And they got to be connected at the hip. You can't divorce the two apart. That, therein lies much of the problem. So here's our big thought today. Followers of Jesus are to speak the truth in love to others. 
If you take nothing else, if you want to go right now, you can go. None of you are going to take me up on that, are you? Good. In order for us to speak truth in love, we have to know what's meant by this statement. I'm going to expand on that in just a moment. But just get this critical coupling, please. When we uncouple truth from love, that's where we get to a lot of problems as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's talk about what does truth mean here in this context. It comes from the Greek word. The the New Testament was originally written in Greek. It comes from the Greek word aletheia. And here's what it means. Reality, fact, actual state, accurate. But now listen to this part of the definition of truth, aletheia. It's the reality of things in relation to God. So as a redeemed follower of the Lord Jesus Christ... You should always bring to every situation you find yourself in, any disagreement, any kind of conflict, any kind of decision-making process, you should always be bringing the reality of that thing in relation to, to God. Amen? That's what's meant by truth. Now, we know that Jesus is the embodiment of truth and the consulate disclosure of God to people. So, so if you wonder, well, what is truth? Just read the Gospels and listen to what Jesus preaches. Amen? That's truth. Um, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's a critical truth perspective. You will not have the God-intended constructive input on whatever the disagreement is or whatever the conflict is, whatever the decision you're involved with, with another human being that brings life to others without coming to them in truth. You've got to come to them in truth. And that truth means this, in relationship to God. Amen? You getting this? Now let's look at love. Love comes from the Greek word agape. And we hear this word agape all the time. I think if you're in church uh, very long, you'll hear that word used. It means cherish, favor, prize, relish. Uh, uh, here's, here's what I like. When it comes to community, it means we're devoted to one another. We're devoted to one another. So God's action of sending his only son to die for the world is, is, a, is a great illustration of what agape love looks like. And so here's the critical love perspective we have to have, and it's this. First of all, you yourself must abide in the love of Jesus. You must understand you're in a love relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? Uh, I think a lot of people think something differently when it comes to relationship with God. They, they view God as uh, something you have to work for and be okay by doing all these things things, uh, and that's not the case. When you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are in a love relationship, amen? How would your wife feel, guys, if you said to her, well, I just have to work for you to, to earn your favor all the time? Well, some of you women might like that's good for a day or two, but, you know, ultimately that's, that's not, that's dismissive of her and the value of her to you. You love her, right? You are devoted to her, and you want to please her because of love. Well, we have to be in that kind of relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we, if we're going to show agape love to others, we are devoted to the well-being of other people then. So when, when we're, we're talking about tooth and love here, uh, you know, that we're to deal with one another. Tooth and love, first of all, it means this, that I am devoted to reality as it is in God. And I am devoted to the well-being of others. That's how I will interact when it comes to any kind of conflict, any kind of disagreement, any kind of decision. Whether the decision is a positive one or one that is dealing more with conflict and more downright fighting. Okay? You get what I'm saying here? That we will be people, if we're redeemed people of the Lord Jesus Christ, we will be dealing with others in, in truth and love as I have just described. Now, I pray what I've shared thus far helped you. 
But I knew, I knew, I know this. I, I'm super practical. I, I, I need examples. How about you? So what I've done is I put together a little truth versus love chart and show how we tend to make decisions and how sometimes those decisions are on the two side of the equation. Sometimes those decisions are on the love side of the equation. And oftentimes um, they're unhealthy and sometimes they're healthy. And so what I want you to do as I go through this next little exercise with you, this chart, you have this in your note-taking guide. I want you to be super honest this morning. Do you fall into one of these categories? Are you in balance? Are you making your decisions wisely? Now, as we talk, this is with another human being, okay? This is about being in community. This isn't about how you would make personal decisions. This has nothing to do with making a decision uh, of that nature. This is all in context of marriage or parent, child, or, or you know, uh, co-workers. It's how do I make decisions with another uh, person, okay? And so what I want to do is walk you through this because I think this is very illuminating and practical. So we have a graph here of tooth and love. And as you move to, the, to uh, your right, uh, that, that means that love becomes more and more dominant on that horizontal line. As you move vertical, tooth becomes more and more uh, dominant. Now remember the definition of truth. Reality in relation to God. Remember the definition of love, the well-being of others, okay? So let, let's look through about how oftentimes we make decisions then when we're in these, these points of disagreement or we're just making a decision. Let, let's talk about the lower left-hand quadrant first. I'm looking at it from your perspective, okay? So that's the withdrawal. Um, when a decision is made to withdraw from a relationship, Usually that's an that's a unhealthy thing because you have a low regard for love of that person and a low regard for truth. Let me give you an example biblically where this happened. The Pharisees withdrew from Jesus. They didn't agree with this truth. They didn't agree with the reality that he was bringing from God. They, they thought he was an error. They thought they knew better. Amen, right? So they, they, they rejected the truth that Jesus was presenting. And we know they had no love for Jesus Christ. They instead plotted to kill him. So what we see happening with them when they were in disagreement and conflict with Lord Jesus was withdrawal, right? They withdrew from the the Son of God. And usually withdrawal is a problem. You see something is going wrong. If you tend to withdraw, if you tend to isolate, if you tend to, to flee from situations and, and having no regard for the truth or love in that relationship, you are in big trouble as a person, especially if that's how you're treating a marriage partner. If you're withdrawing from a marriage partner, if you're withdrawing from a family member, you know what I tell you? You need counseling. You need to go to somebody. You need to talk on some basics here because in that state of withdrawal, you're saying truth doesn't matter and love doesn't matter, and that's a big problem. And I think people do this more often than we want. I think people penalize other people when they don't get their way sometimes by withdrawing. What do you think? Drives me nuts when that happens. It just drives me nuts. How about you? It's, it's not communicating. It's not, it's not inputting into the relationship at all whatsoever. And so... Um, Sometimes withdrawal, by the way, is unavoidable because if you're a Jesus follower, some people will withdraw from you. And you can't do a thing about that. 
But you as a Jesus follower, you as a redeemed person of the Lord Jesus Christ, you should not withdraw. Amen, right? So in my family, my father withdrew from me because I was a Jesus follower. But did I withdraw from him? Never. I prayed for that guy the whole time he was alive. I tried the whole time he was alive to minister Christ to him. Amen? Because as a redeemed follower of Jesus Christ, I do not have the option to withdraw. Are you getting this? And so when people come to me and they're withdrawing and they say they're following Jesus Christ, I would say to you, this is going to sound harsh, I would say you're in sin right now. Repent and go back to praying for that person and ask Christ to give you love for that person and the ability to speak truth in love as we just defined them today. The upper left-hand quadrant is win. Now, I know some of these are going to hit home. So this one might hit home with some of you. But this is where, and this happens to a lot of Christians who are very prophetically driven, who have a high regard for right and wrong. Everything is a battle with that person. You know anybody like that? Maybe you're that person. Everything is right or wrong, and you're about winning because you have a high regard for truth. And there's nothing wrong with being prophetically driven and having a high regard for for truth unless the issue doesn't matter. Okay? When the issue doesn't matter, then you're called combative. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because the issue doesn't matter. And much of what we deal with life is in that category. Let me give you an example. I have nobody in mind when I say this. All right? I'm trying not to look at any of you too long. (laughs) But one of the, I mean, I have had to deal with so many secondary issues as a pastor, it drives me nuts. And one of the issues I've had to deal with is dress. And I remember over the years having people come to me and say, people should wear a, a tie and a suit to church. And the logic is, we want to give God our best, and this is giving God our best. Why aren't you preaching on that? Now, evidently, I don't believe that because I'm up here in a short sleeve shirt with no tie. And I look around, most of you don't believe it at all. <laughs> and so I've had a lot of conversations on this very topic. And here's, here's what I try to say in gentleness, speaking truth and love to ones who say this to me. To a lot of the younger generation, a tie means nothing. They haven't been raised to say that's giving your best. When they put on a tie and a suit, they would feel plastic and they would feel inauthentic. It would be contrary to their best. It would be coming to God as someone I am not. It would be inauthentic to that person. And so they would feel bad about doing that. Like, I'm not doing, I'm not being honest before God. So giving their best to God doesn't entail that kind of dress. We have to be okay with that. We have to be okay with the ones that dress up and say, that's my best for God, we have to be okay with the ones who say, all right, I, I'd rather come to God this way, I feel like that's my best for God. You see, that's not as black and white as we make it out to be, but in the church, it's been black and white in the past, or tried to be. Therein lies some of the divisiveness of these issues. When they're not black and white, don't make them black and white. We've dug some holes because, you know, we think these issues have to be morally high ground or something. John Ortberg shared years ago, I am practicing the spiritual discipline of not always having to have the last word. I think of that a lot. I am practicing the spiritual discipline of not having to have the last word. I know a lot of things. I'm older now. I still don't know a lot of things. But oftentimes somebody will be talking on something that I'm very familiar with in that topic, and I know they're dead wrong. 
And frequently, I don't say anything, especially if the issue doesn't matter. Does it really matter? No. It's not about winning all the time. It's about loving that person probably first and foremost in that situation. When it doesn't matter, when the issue does not matter, first and foremost, it's about loving that person. Amen? Even when they're wrong, it's going to drive some of you nuts to have to do that. To keep your mouth shut and not say anything, it's going to be really hard. Amen? Because you want to correct. Because you're truth-driven. But when that doesn't matter, then let it not matter. Amen? But if you make it matter, it's divisive and relationship is, 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 um, is kind of hampered. One of my guiding scriptures for this particular category is Romans 14. Listen to the, what, what the Apostle Paul tells us in verse 5 through 8 on issues that are of secondary nature. He says this, One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be what? Fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever regards, excuse me, whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. What the Apostle Paul is saying here when it comes to secondary issues, you be convinced of what you should do that pleases the Lord Jesus Christ. You do that, and that other person, they should be convinced of what they do to the Lord Jesus Christ, and they should do that, and then that's pleasing to the Lord Jesus Christ, and we got to be okay with one another in this regard. Amen? Now, there are some issues that are right and wrong. And there, we're not, there we should win. For instance, the Bible clearly states there's one way to God. And that is through the person Jesus Christ. There's one mediator between God and mankind. That is Jesus Christ. There is not multiple ways to Jesus Christ. I will die on that issue with anybody. I will let truth prevail because there's one way to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's who, or one way to God. That's through the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're having that kind of disagreement, don't back down but do so with the tone of love. Let's go to the bottom right quadrant. That's yield. This is my favorite because you're all Midwestern nice, aren't you? You yield way too much, a lot of you. You yield on things you probably ought not to yield on because you're Midwestern nice. I always joke about that. I did a lot of work. I went to the East Coast. There are not nice people out there. No, there are some nice people there too, but there's, uh, there's, they're, they're much more, uh, mm, what do I say, forthright. How's that? And they'll speak their mind. And uh, I kind of like it personally, but uh, you get to the Midwest and people will do a lot of things just because they're nice. They'll let somebody who's very, very uh, ill-tempered and very, very dysfunctional get away with it. And they'll say, well, that's just the way they've always been. And that's just always been wrong, hasn't it? You know, because we're Midwestern nice, we let things go maybe that we ought not to let go. But let's talk about yield here for just a moment. Um, There's a lot of interactions in life where, you know, there's really little truth element to it. It just doesn't matter. Let me give you an example. Color of things. Most of us can say that really doesn't matter. If I had my way, just listen to this. Now, Virginia knows this. I'm sorry, Virginia. Sitting right in the front row. Everything would be red on that overhead. The church would be red. The foyer would be red. Some toner. I love red. Amen? Some of you are going, oh, thank God you're not in charge of the colors. Right? <laughs> But everything would be red. I'd buy red cars. I always try to buy red cars. My wife always says no. I, well, they, they're just sharp, right? There's nothing better than red. But guess what? When it comes to color of our house, color of our furniture, and color of most of my clothing, my wife rules. 
I yield. Because evidently, I'm challenged that way. In fact, I would say I'm clueless, but I haven't reached the level of cluelessness yet because I don't know that I'm clueless. And that's when you're really clueless. When it comes to the colors of the church, Virginia does it all. So if you don't like it, talk to Virginia. She's right here. (laughs) Raise your hand. Why did I do that to you? I just threw you under the bus. Anyway, Virginia does a great job. Uh, She she does all the stuff, and, and, and she gets that. And honestly, sometimes I go... Did those things go together? Yeah. Oh, I never knew that. You know what I mean? And so that would be one of those issues where I would yield on because I have more regard for my relationship with that person than anything. And I really don't think there's no right and wrong, right? Amen? And I just yield. Now, listen, this is problematic if you're yielding when you ought not to be yielding. And I see a lot of us do that. Um, You know, if there is a truth involved here that's harmful to that person's well-being, and you yield to them because you're saying, well, I just want to love that person. I want to be unconditional in my love. I've heard this logic a lot, especially when there's a marital discord or something's going on with a wayward child. They, they say, well, I want to love them back in the kingdom. I'm not going to address the issues where they're wrong because I, I don't want to offend them. Listen, are you concerned about their well-being? Are you really concerned about the, 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 the state of their soul? You will speak truth and love then. Amen? You will not yield. It's unhealthy to yield then. Because you're basically saying, well, I'm going to love you, but I, and I hope this whole works out for you. But honestly, if you really love them, what will you do? You'll speak to them in the reality of God, right? And so you have to sometimes not yield when truth is involved, especially when somebody's wayward, uh, sideways to God. Uh, you've got to speak truth and love to such, such a situation. Now look at the upper right-hand quadrant with me. That's resolve. Um, by the way, I think I mentioned this, but this is all in your note guide, and you can fill in the blanks, I believe, if you like to do that kind of thing. This is where there's a high regard for truth and love. It's just really important that both of these things are taken in context. And in any meaningful relationship, if it's going to go deep, there's got to be truth and love involved here in your communication with one another. Amen? There's got to be a combination of these two things taking place. It's just got to be part of the DNA of any meaningful relationship. Uh, So what kind of decisions might fall into this category? Well, who are you going to marry? If you're going to marry a person, it better be full of truth and love, that relationship. They, like the Bible says, if you're a believing follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you better marry a believing follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no exception to that. You're supposed to be equally yoked. Amen? And in that kind of decision-making, it's so critical. You've got to have a high regard for that truth. And then if you truly love that other person with agape love, you want the well-being for them, and so you want the best for them, right? That'll be prevailing in how you interact with such a one. And you're going to look at the decision then with a high regard for both truth and love. And truth and love applies to which church that you attend and uh, and truth and love applies to uh you know your, your family dynamics and how you and your friends debate sensitive issues like you, if you're going to talk about sensitive issues like politics <laughs> ooh baby you want to get people mad just mention politics just start talking about something and boom bam right it goes like that and i'm going okay um so sometimes just don't talk about it because it doesn't matter. No, that's Midwestern nice, isn't it? All right. Well, anyway, if you're going to talk about issues like abortion or same-sex attraction or addictions and abuse and so on, you've got to have a lot of truth and love going on here. Amen? Well, that thing's going to dissolve into chaos very quickly. And so um, 
I can't leave this graph without just talking about this middle section compromise. And the only reason I throw it on there is that's where most of life is lived at. There's maybe a little bit of truth involved in a little bit of love involved. And I don't mean to demean that, either one of those, but oftentimes this is like, where do you want to go out to eat today? All right, whatever. Make a decision. It doesn't matter, right? It's not about yielding so much. You both just kind of talk on it and, you know, okay, we'll eat at, uh, I don't know, Pizza Ranch, which no longer exists, I guess. But you follow what I'm saying. Um, Burger King or McDonald's or something. It's those kind of decisions. Should we play tennis today or go for a walk? Whatever. You know, compromise on those. There's, there's a little bit of each one involved, but those things don't merit that much uh, of your relational attention. Amen? Right? Unless you're really into the win and... Tennis is right today and walking is not, then I say you're out of balance. But at any rate, most people's lives are full of interactions with other human beings, and there are dis- disagreements to be resolved. And what I've just shared with you today is how to do so as a redeemed follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. This means we'll speak truth when it's needed. This means we'll let love dominate when needed. This means we'll have a healthy combination of the two when, when needed. Um, and so uh, withdrawal is usually unhealthy. Withdrawal is usually unhealthy. Yield usually means the decision doesn't matter. I value the person more than the decision. Win usually is good if there's a high truth involved. But if there's not, don't be combative. Don't be combative over colors of rooms or whatever. Uh, You know, be careful about that. And resolve is when you really are making important decisions and there should be a good balance of truth and love involved. A lot of meaningless disunity happens within the church because this is not taken to heart. A lot of disunity happens within the family because this has not been taken to heart. A lot of disunity happens with neighbors and with roommates and professors and with coworkers because none of this is taken to heart whatsoever. And I, I think if some of this is taken to heart today, what I shared with you, that we as a redeemed people of God, we can be people who actually bring health and well-being and life to other people. Amen? Some of my hardest conversations I've had with people have had to do with deep truths I've had to share when their life's way out of kilter. But I do so with their well-being in mind. And always the conversation appears to be hard, but when we get done, I usually say, that's the best thing I've ever done or best gift I could get to that person. Amen? And so um, don't, don't, be afraid of these things. They're, they're good things to do if you have a good, healthy balance of love and truth. Now, here's a summary of the whole message. As a follower of Jesus, you're to speak the truth and love to others because that's the baseline, my friends, of how you're to relate to other people. As a redeemed follower of God, the baseline of how you're to, you're to interact with other human beings is in truth and love, right? They're joined at the hip, right? Truth and love, joined at the hip. And so I try to give you some practical ways of how that plays out. And so at this point, we're going to end the message. I'm going to dismiss Watertown uh, to Pastor Jeff, and he'll close you guys out uh, with a word of prayer. And we're going to close ourselves with a word of prayer. And then I think the praise band has a closing song for us this morning. So I'm hoping this helps you a little bit. You know, we talk about being the redeemed community of Christ, right? And Pastor Aaron just, man, that message. If you didn't hear his message last week, go listen to that message. It was really good. Uh, I I sat sat there and thought, man, that's an insightful, good message. And what I did today was just try to take a piece of that message and say, look, as redeemed people, this is what it looks like to deal with conflicted situations, how to make 
decisions and how to handle disagreements and how to do so in a way then that brings what? Life and encouragement to others. Amen? You getting this? And so I, I hope this is helpful. Let's pray, and then we'll close out with a song. Lord God, I want to thank you for this uh, teaching that's in Ephesians. It's deep and rich in its uh, relational uh, insight, Lord. Uh, I thank you for uh, your, your anointing the Apostle Paul to pen these words down that we, we looked at this morning. Lord, I want to pray that we would be people, God, um, who have truth and love joined at the hip in our way that we interact with other human beings. That in all those situations that we find ourselves in, the myriad of decisions, small, big, positive, sometimes ones that are in the midst of, of, of severe disagreement, Lord, that always what would prevail, Lord, in, in such situations would be this presentation of truth as, as reality in you, God, and love uh, for the other person that manifests itself in, in being concerned for their well-being. And God, I just pray that... Uh, that, God, this uh, would be uh, a, a kind of a guiding principle. I know for me it's been a guiding principle for many years now that when I deal with other folks and in, in decisions, I'm often thinking, okay, where does this decision fall? It's, is it one with a high need of truth? If not, then love's going to prevail. And I'll probably yield more often than, than, than have my way. If it's something where, God, I know that there's a, just a real truth element to this, and I, I, I think, okay, in this particular case, perhaps... I need to win that discussion, but I need to do so with a tone of love. And then I know with, with, when you're in a team situation or in a marriage or, or anything that involves other people where you're kind of going towards the same goal, that really, Lord, there's got to be a high regard for truth and love, relationally speaking. It just needs to be a good, healthy combination. And I, I just pray, Lord, as your people, that you would grace us, Lord, to begin to be more, maybe more analytical of how we make decisions and how we handle conflict and how we do disagreements, Lord, and that we would go to this healthy way of doing it as prescribed by, by your scripture, Lord. Uh, we love you, God. We praise you. I thank you for the series of messages that we're in. It's been interesting subject matter to kind of discuss. I, I pray that some here this morning would find this very practical and would put it into use as they go about their daily living now, Lord. God, we love you and praise you and give you all glory, Jesus, and pray that you, you would just be glorified in our midst. In your name, uh, I pray these things. And all God's people said,